Welcome to KC Corner, episode 131. It's the month of November, the time of thankfulness and giving, and we have a very special guest today. We have a very special guest. I love the month of November, almost as much as December. I mean, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is phenomenal. Definitely man. two of the top 12 months, oh, 10 yeah. months. It's for sure. <laughs> I wish that we came into November a little bit cooler, you know? Mm-hmm. Mid-October oh, yeah. kind of gave us a great gift, and all of a sudden it feels like here we are again. Yep. It's sweltering mm-hmm. hot, you know? Hopefully but, uh, soon. Hopefully soon. soon. But you think about this, Brooks. In the month of November, on 6th, uh, my gra- my first grandchild, Polly, she's going to turn four. Mm-hmm. On the 14th, the twins are going to turn two. <laughs> my mom was born in November. My brother was born in November. And that's one's the 22nd, one's the 23rd, usually right around Thanksgiving, which I always love. And oh, by the way, I was born on the 13th. And so uh, <laughs> Birthday month. It's a birthday month. It's a great month. <laughs> Only 30 days, but it's chock full of great things. Oh, yeah. And we have Thanksgiving around the corner as well. Oh, man, do I love it. The holiday season is getting kicked off. And rumor has it, you're headed uh, north for a couple of days. Yeah, hopefully see some some fall leaves, a little cooler weather, see the mountains next Oh, week. that'll be awesome. Up to North Carolina. Have a great time, I, I hope I will. It'll That's be, be great. fantastic. It'll be great. You've been traveling. You've been a moving target lately. Yes, yes. Ready to just cool out and just chill for a little <laughs> that'll bit. That'll be awesome. <laughs> well, I tell you, wow, what, what a great morning we have as we shifted from kind of culture wars and, and had a great opportunity to chat with some leaders around our community, some of those inside of our church and community of really how do we as a church engage our culture. One of the ways we would love to engage our culture is, is really through some partnerships. And, and a partnership that's emerged for King's Chapel is a partnership with the Sharing Center, uh, officially known as the Christian Sharing Center. And wow, what an amazing ministry they have and we have we have the privilege this morning brooks i mean it is a privilege of having uh gay lauder uh who works with them and gay welcome to casey corner it is so great to have you so thanks for getting up early this morning <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's a privilege to be here with you all uh, to talk about something uh, an entity i should say that i love which so is awesome here well, you know, before we talk about the Sharing Center, Gay, I'd love to talk about uh, you a little bit and just how God has uh, worked his way into your story or his story, uh, a little bit more about you. I've always been intrigued with that. Uh, for those of you, um, just to let you know, I, I met Gay actually through the Maitland Men's Club. Um, she was a point of contact that came and helped us with a clothing drive and came and spoke to our group. And right away, I was like, wow, this is a gifted woman. And uh I really was intrigued with uh, how God has blessed you. So, But you're somebody who's born and raised here in Central Florida. Is that correct? Absolutely. Born and raised in Orlando. Wow. In the Washington Shores area. Wow. And uh, way back in 1959, some 63 years ago. And uh, my mother was from Ashburn, Georgia. But my my dad was, was born in Jasper, but raised in Orlando. Wow. And so uh, spent the majority of his adult life. But you were born Orlando. right here, huh? Born right here. And what was, it's Orlando Health Systems now, but it was Orange Memorial Hospital. Oh, yeah, sure. Back then. That is amazing, yes. Gay. So, wow, you know, you're never supposed to ask a woman her age, and you just threw that right out. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean you just came out with it. And I loved it, 59. So I have a beloved sister named Allison. And she was born in 59, and so I am seven years younger than she is, and she's always been fantastic. So another reason to love you. You're yes. my sister's age, which is fantastic. How, how big of a family were you born into? 
there were only two of us, my, my sister and I. And so um, just to kind of dive into my story, my parents were married for a while and uh, in their 20s. And when my mom turned, I guess, 35, she had not been able to get pregnant. And so they adopted my sister from their friends. Wow. And so uh, two months after they adopted my sister, she got pregnant with me. Oh, isn't that and a great so story? My sister was adopted and then they had me. So there were the two of us. That is what a great story. You know, I've heard that several times that, you know, people who have tried to have a child that they couldn't have a child and all of a sudden, you know, they adopt and boom, they do. They, I don't know, almost like the pressure is off and, yes. and they have that. So. You know, in my story, and I just say quickly, my mom was not supposed to have children. I mean, she had a condition early on as a young girl that took a lot of medical attention, and she was pretty told, much told, "We don't think you'll be a mother." And God gave her three, and I'm the youngest. So Yahoo for for miracles. How was your relationship with your sister? My sister passed away oh, at, at the age of fifty-seven, oh. and so. Uh, it was it's such a sad day and just a real quick story so I'm sitting at my office which is about five minutes from her house right. and I'm waiting on her to bring me lunch Right. and I get the call that she's had a massive heart attack oh, and so no. yeah and so that was in 2013 oh. and uh, she had lupus so she had some underlying mm -hmm. health conditions but we had a great relationship up until her did she passing. grow up knowing she was adopted I mean did your family tell her she was adopted or were you just guys just think you're the same family was that talked about or no well we discovered it because we were um we were uh nosy little children <laughs> <laughs> so we discovered it in my daddy's little toolbox or chest box or whatever thing that he had and so the papers were there and wow. I, I in my mind i can remember looking in the closet and looking in there that day and discovering that we weren't looking for those papers. We were probably looking for, for Christmas presents or something. Or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But we found that. And so mm. um, we, of course, we could not talk to my father mm. about that. But my sister managed to ask. We knew the family. The families were friends. And okay. so my sister managed to ask her biological aunt about okay. it. And so her aunt, of course, then uh, divulged to my father that she knew. That is incredible. So, How old were you? I had to be 11. Okay. Because we were still in our house in Washington Shore. So I had to be 11. So she must have been 13. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, how much have you seen Orlando change uh, oh, over the wow. years? Oh, wow. It, it, tremendously. It has changed. I remember my mother, my biological mother, passed when I was five. So I grew up with a whole lot of... Uh, mm. Yeah, kind mm. of uh, traumatic things mm. in, in, in my life. And so uh, my mom, I remember going to Orange Memorial the day that she got sick and being mm. at, at five, I can remember this, and sitting in the backseat of the car and seeing orange trees. So Orange Memorial was surrounded by orange trees. It was a little, it's yeah. certainly not... Uh, the monstrosity that yeah. it is today sure. but i can remember that and, wow. and then i drive there now and still going to orlando i'm like wow look at the growth of of our city um certainly it was beautiful back when there were orange trees and sure. two-lane streets and yeah. we didn't have we still don't have a skyline you know right. no tall buildings or right. anything orange memorial may have been two stories it was probably only one back right then. that's incredible mm -hmm. isn't it my wife having been born and raised in winter park we'll get on 436 she goes i remember well, this is the two-lane highway yeah. i'm like are you kidding me it's just 
just the change is, is and when I was little. a kid my dad specifically would always say that like driving around town like wow this place has exploded there's buildings everywhere and I was just like who cares like okay it's fine like that's how it works and now I find myself doing the same thing oh, just yeah. being a nerd like going out to UCF games how much it's changed in just three or four years it's since I've been there it, it, I find myself doing the same yeah. thing yeah I would imagine culturally it's changed quite a bit, too. I mean, I don't know what Orlando felt like, because that's before Disney. I mean, you were here in 59, and, yeah. and then, I, mean, I guess it came into the world in 59. And so, uh, wow, what an amazing difference. Did you grow up in a Christian home? Was it was it uh, was Jesus a part of that home? or? So when my mother passed, at I was five. And so my father um, grew up in a Christian home with my grandmother, but when my mother passed, there was a difference in mm -hmm. him. And so he always sent my sister and I away to the church, which of course was walking distance from right. the house. He sent us to church gotcha. every Sunday. And so there was a Baptist church and an Episcopal church in walking distance. And so he would always say to us, no quick church today. That was the Episcopal church. <laughs> <laughs> and so we knew we had to go to mm. my Uncle Welton's church, which oh. was the Baptist church. Okay, so And so he sent us there every single Sunday mm. um, to church, but did not start to go to church with us until he remarried when I was 12. Wow. And uh, this... My stepmother was a member of a church, and so we all would go to church okay. at that time. Okay, that, what, a, what a great story. Is your dad still with us? My dad passed away, tragically, so <laughs> in an accident. Yeah, tra just I, I, my story is just so, everyone's like, really, did that happen? So quick story about that. So my father's going up to Tallahassee, Greenville, actually, to a funeral of our church member. A church member's brother passes away. He and my stepmom are going up to a funeral. Coming from Tallahassee from college is our neighbor, the little boy that I babysat when he was, and the two of them have an accident in Chiefland, Florida. Oh no. My neighbor that I babysat, they're in Chiefland, 200 yeah. miles away. Yeah, I know My Chiefland. mom and dad are going to Tallahassee. How do those two cars, people that know each other, have an accident? That is incredible. So my father dies and then my neighbor boy dies in the accident and then my stepmom lives and the young man that was in the car with him lives. And we're all at the hospital scurrying around and I'm saying, dad died, blah, blah, blah. And uh, his parents, Lila and Joseph, they're calling saying, Dexter's in, in an induced coma. He's probably not gonna make it. And we, we had no idea it was the same accident. Oh, we're all talking goodness. to each other. I happened to ask the state trooper the name of the other person that passed, and when he met my sister and I lost it when we. So yeah. Oh my goodness! But How yeah, old so was your dad? My dad was seventy-two when he passed okay. away. Um, last wow. year he would have been one hundred had he lived. Wow! So, yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah, you know 72. what? There was something that I just wanted to hear about your story, and I, I'm telling you, wow, what an amazing story! So, all right, let's let's go from there. How, you know, it seems like. If I've heard correctly, you have had a career of helping other people. I mean, before the sharing center, it seems like you had a, a job uh, working with the public or working with others. Uh, how did God call you into that kind of ministry? And then we'll get to the sharing center here in a minute. So Okay, so at, from a child, my dad had this thing that he would say about me. He would say, I can always depend on her having a car full of babies or a car full of old people. Okay. So we lived in a neighborhood where the neighborhood, I'll say it was deep. And, and most of them back that time were kind of confined. So my dad had a uh, um, El Camino. Oh yeah, so, I had an El Camino. <laughs> 
We would go from the back of the neighborhood and pick people up and drive them up to the front to the store. And we charge them a nickel or a quarter or whatever. And so I would, the old folk would be walking and we'd give them a ride. And I was only 12 and I should not have been driving, but we took the you know, whoever did awesome. was not there. So we drive them from the front of the neighborhood to the back. And, and even uh, probably until his death, he said, um, you always take care of old people and, mm. and babies. And so, um, I knew before I ever went away to college that I would do something to help the community. Mm. And I always would say, I just want to save this world. What is mm. wrong with this world? Mm. And so I majored in social welfare and criminal justice, thinking that I would get out and get this job and I would just kind of, <laughs> in some way, sure. uh, create this formula that would just save everybody. Right. And you know, of course, became discouraged very early on. Mm. It's and, discouraging. You can't save everybody gay. You're good, but man, yeah. it's a terrible, broken world. It's a and you're not Jesus. World. But yeah. yeah. And but so, where'd you go to school, by the way? Florida AM University That's awesome. in Tallahassee. Fantastic. Yep. Yes, yes, FAMU. And so, um, came home, worked in social services. I was telling the story the other day. My very first job was in food stamps. And because everybody was still coming to get the food stamps and I thought you know after I give them to you for a little while you figure out how to go get your own food and you won't come back month after month being a pain um, and that didn't happen so I got fired from that job because I had a mouth on me and I just thought you all aren't getting it so I think I'm just gonna tell you how to get it so anyway I got fired from my very first job but listen I've been too bad do you know what food stamps are Brooks oh yeah okay you know he's so young gay all right so you got fired from your job you're 0 for 1 yeah, get fired from that job. And then I get a job at Great Oaks Village, and that's a, a, a home for children who are, these call them orphanages, and so uh, children who are neglected and abused. Mm. And so I worked there for many years, working with children, uh, trying to get them reunified with their families. And mm. so that's kind of what guided me to where I am today because that job was with Orange County government. Okay. I did that for a while. My pastor saw you, something. You, you didn't get fired on that job? I did not get fired. <laughs> okay, I good. kept that. Even though those little children were trying to get me fired. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so my pastor saw something in me. He said, you need to do something for the Lord. And so I went to work for my church for about three years. Okay. And I started the social services arm of the church. And we, wow. we did oh, so many awesome things with children and spring break camps. And we had the first HIV AIDS prevention wow. program and a faith-based entity in Orange mm. County. And uh, we had the jump program that worked with students who were struggling in school. So mm-hmm. uh, just kind of a social services program for the church. Um, did that until he passed away in 2000. And then I went back to Orange County to work for a commissioner worked for that commissioner in District 6, one of the more blighted areas of Orange County, Mm. uh, to try and make a difference in Mm. in our our community. And then went to work for Head Start, another program that's Mm -hmm. designed for uh, the underprivileged. Mm -hmm. And so I did that for the remaining uh, 25 years of my career. So I've I've done a lot. (laughs) You have done a lot. You know, no disrespect to your pastor. I mean, I love what he said, I mean, in a sense where hey, he sees something in you and he wants to affirm you, but saying you got to do something for the Lord. And, you know, my perspective is, 
yes, that is clearly for the Lord, but I believe what you're doing is for the Lord, you know, and it's all for the Lord. I mean, it's kingdom work, you know, and, and Brooks's job, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you never know this. This is incredible. He, he works for a company called Baseball Cloud, and they, uh, they are a very successful uh, company that takes all baseball analytics. I mm -hmm. mean, it's like how much spin is coming off the pitcher's hands and how, how fast the ball's leaving the bat. And, and he's got major league teams, most college teams, uh, and yet he's a Christian man, you know? And so I want to say, hey, you are an ambassador for Christ there. You are an ambassador of Christ wherever you are. And as a pastor, yeah, I love when, when people come work at the church and be a blessing. It's fantastic. But really want the people to know whether you're serving the Lord in a nonprofit, you're serving the Lord as a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, a, uh, a home, housewife, uh, uh, you know, business man or woman, you know, wherever you are, you're an ambassador in, right. in uh, the realm of Christ. So, okay. So if I got the story right, Gay, you were at the end of a, one career about ready to, you know, go out into the sunset saying, okay, I've served the Lord. I've done a lot for the community. Uh, and it was at that time the sharing center said, hey, we got something for you too. Is that correct? That's correct. I had had my fill of Head Start. Again, even though I said I was not trying to save the world, you know, in the back of your mind, you still sure. I have to make a difference. I yeah. really, and I want to see that difference kind of manifest. <laughs> and so, you know, you kind of want to put your hand on it and say, sure. you know, I did that. Kind of be a little sure. braggadocious. And so yeah. I, I was not, it, it, it wasn't happening. And so I, I said, I'm done. I'm just done. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. I can just volunteer the rest of my life away. That's what right. I want to do. And so I retired from uh, community coordinated care for children, you know, with that federal program, and uh, went to volunteer for the sharing center. And I was there for three days. And <laughs> Nina said, uh, "I knew Nina's husband, and he told me to go there and volunteer." So I think it was oh, a no. setup. It's a setup. <laughs> so, it's a scam. <laughs> absolutely. And so I said to uh, Nina, said to me. You know, we need you. We need your expertise, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, okay, as long as I don't have to supervise people, I do not want to do that. Mm. I am done with mm. that part mm. of my life. And so uh, I've been there in a, a non-supervisory yeah. role. <laughs> awesome. All the while, she's like, please yeah. come and yeah. supervise. Yeah. But, uh, so I've done that uh, for the past four months, and I'm enjoying it. It's mm. with the homeless. Head Start was aligned with the homeless Mm -hmm. And so the homeless population, so not far from what I was doing, just kind of in a different setting. Okay, so it was a natural thing for you to think sharing center. It was close enough to home, had oh, a heart absolutely. for what you had a heart for, and so, which is awesome. Uh, when you think of the sharing center now, and for those of you who haven't been there, let me encourage you to drive north on 1792 if you're coming from the, you know, the Maitland area or whatever, and it's on the left-hand side. It's an amazing uh buildings you know a shopping center kind of complex of what you all have so um and and what you do for those experiencing homelessness not just providing for them a meal a bag a shower uh some training uh you know to get them out of that you know part as you thought about earlier with the, with the uh the food stamps you know hey we want to have you not experience homelessness and, and and try to have things in their life but where you also have not just food, clothing, um, you have the uh, uh, thrift store, I guess it's yes. called, and there's two different, like one's 
a little boutique. higher end, a boutique. Oh, that's the word I'm looking for. Most guys don't know the word boutique, but nope. you, you know, nope. definitely not. Brooksy boutique. You know, so uh, wow. Okay, so what is what do you, what have you noticed is the biggest need at this sharing center? I mean, what 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 is when you show up? What what is the biggest need that you're facing? Um, the biggest need is for. Um, I like to say, which we know we won't ever do because the Bible tells us we won't, but I'd love to see us work our way out of a job. Yeah. But we, but work as if you can work your way out of a job and then you're just going to work harder and, and harder because a lot of what we see is multi-generational mm. uh, social mm. ills. And so with that, I mean, mental health, that's, you know, it's, it's genetic in some sure, cases. Sure. And so you see the children there and their mothers were there and their grandmothers were there. Uh, and then you have uh, the addictive uh, person, the addictions and the persons experiencing those addictions. And, you know, a lot of times that has come up through the bloodline. And so what we have to do and what we need to do is find resources <clears throat> so that we can address people where they are. Some people are ready to move out of their addictions, some are not. Some are ready to recognize their mental health concerns, others are not. But we have to have someone there 100% of the time that can decipher where these people are hmm. and what we can and cannot. That sounds like a very talented person. I mean, that's a... I mean, to be able to discern that and not have the wool pull over their eyes or, or to really see through the layers. I mean, that's got to be a not only gifted person, probably a seasoned person. Seasoned people. And yeah, the wool people. will get pulled over yeah, their yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wool, and I always say, you sometimes, and I hate to call them the bad, but you got to get through the bad situations to get to the good situations. Sure. We get the wool pulled over our eyes sure. every single day. And if sure. we were to go in and think that we that would not happen to us, we would leave there mentally exhausted sure. every single day. Sure. You just have to figure out how to decipher it. You have to use that intuition that God gives us sure. and, and, and figure out those that you can help, those that you can't, and then make sure that the services are in place for them. Mm. So if there is a need, there is a need. If you can take care of that, preventive piece of it well preventive to a sense because some of it's already happening sure. but just get ahead of it then you know they're not down in crisis waiting to get food and they are <laughs> you know you understand so we we just we got to get ahead of it. we are reactionary people mm. and just I guess by nature and we just have to figure out how we can get ahead of all of the si these situations. Golly, that's got to be hard. They keep coming in waves. They, they, they come in waves and they're going to continue to come because the, I think we're here. God, our test is to see if we're going to actually do something for yeah. them. And so we have to go out and work with them. They are going to be here, but they don't have to. It does not have to be the same people, I guess right. is what I'm trying yeah. To, to get at and it does not have to be you know 15 people in the same family yes yeah. break this cycle you know I often feel as a pastor that the needs around us are so great I have a squirt gun and I'm running into a forest fire that's what I feel like it's just like okay 
you know, it's raging around you and you feel like, oh my goodness, you know, do I have the gifting, you know, but you know that at the end of the day, the hope is in Christ and, you know, that his people will respond accordingly. Well, listen, thank you so much for moving in that direction. I love hearing how God has gifted you, educated you to see more than just a hand out, right? You know, it's a, a help a up, hand up, a, a yes. hand up and, and uh, which is so good. How does a church like King's Chapel, um, and we're not a big church, but how do we really, what's the best way that we can try to come alongside and be a blessing? I mean, you know, we probably have our ideas of what we need to do, but honestly, Gay, what, 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 what can we do? I mean, uh, to kind of come alongside and help. So one thing we all have to do is we have to take the blinders off. This is going to affect all of us. Right. It, it, it will affect us in some way. Mm. You know, I, when I came to your church, I talked about, you know, uh, a half million people every night going mm -hmm. to bed uh, without a place, well, mm. going to sleep without a bed to sleep in. And then, you know, 52 million people going to bed hungry. And we don't have to go to bed hungry. My stomach's growling right now, but it's not because I can't go and get yeah, yeah. something to eat, but they cannot, there is no place. So mm. we have to take the blinders off. We have to walk alongside those people. So you all coming out to volunteer, coming out to volunteer and seeing these people there mm. daily. If you come on a Saturday, you're probably gonna see them sleeping on the sidewalks. Some of them, I hate to say, might be there by choice. They continuously make bad decisions, but some of them mm -hmm. are not. So understanding, mm -hmm. that's what I mean by taking mm -hmm. the blindness off and giving. Giving, giving, giving. Giving mm -hmm. of your time. Giving of things that you don't need. We all have things that we don't need that we can mm -hmm. come and bring to the sharing center. Mm -hmm. Clothing, food, mm -hmm. you know, our res extra resources, our, our money. We have to give uh, so that we can continue to pour back into the community. Programs like this help to uh, lessen the amount of crime that's in. We don't want someone coming to steal from us because they don't have food to eat. Maybe they don't have food because they made a bad decision. Yes, I get that. But you don't want them breaking into your house because they, they, you know, yeah, for sure. They want some food or they yeah. want to steal your guns to, <laughs> right, to, right. to go and rob somebody to get yeah. food. You know? yeah. So, yeah, just understanding the, the entire picture. I don't know if I told you this story or not, but I had one pastor that said to me, um, they came out for a tour and they said, I pass by here and I see the same people. They're just here and they're always here. They, you know, we give every month and they're always here. And I said, they're always going to be here. Mm -hmm. So if you give that $500 a month and think that one day you're going to pass by and nobody will be outside, as long as the sharing center is here, there mm -hmm. will be people out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, as you said, Jesus said, you know, the poor you're going to have with you. And so uh, you will, we will yeah. have them with us. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be a reality. And I think I could hear in your heart, it's, it's, it breaks your heart when it's the same people that are there or the same chain or the generationals, but Hey, you know, uh, all you can do is all you can do and just pray that God, you know, may some of these people may all of them, but you know, break out of this mm -hmm. and, and, uh, um, not appear here again, uh, by choice. And, uh, wow, that's fantastic. Well, I know this for sure. You are a blessing to our community. And I want to say thank you so much. And you've been a blessing to my life in the King's Chapel, a little time we've had. 
Brooks, do you have do you have any uh, questions or thoughts? <clears throat> yes, I was going to put her on the spot and see if she had a favorite story of a person or a family that the sharing center was able to help out, or even just like a theme of where your guys' sweet spot is or anything. Yes, always, always, always that story. So, uh, again, I talk about uh, substance abuse and addictions, and so there is a gentleman who. Uh, right when I started at the sharing center, had come through Oasis, which is the uh, homeless component, and had become uh, a. Di- oh, I'm so sorry, that's my stomach. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so he uh, he was in our Oasis program, and he had been sleeping in the woods because he mm. uh, became uh, addicted to alcohol and lost his family, but had a degree in finance and accounting mm. and had a good job with the Fortune 500 company, just kind of fell on hard times. And so he uh, came through Oasis and was very stubborn and very proud uh, and did not want to receive services kind of up front. One day, uh, when we were doing uh, hash, hashtag lunch bag, someone gave him a bag and he didn't want it. But somebody said to him, take the bag, man. There's some good stuff in there. He showed up the following week. This is his story at Oasis to get a shower. From there, he went through our Project Rise program. He uh, got a job at McDonald's. We gave him a bicycle. He would ride the bicycle. And he decided on his own that, you know what? I need to get my family back. I don't need to work at McDonald's. Mm. I have a degree in finance and accounting. Mm. I worked for a Fortune 500 company. Mm. Wow. He now works for Morgan & Morgan. Nice. Um, in their uh, client relations department. Mm. And while he's still climbing back up the ladder, mm-hmm. he is super, super proud mm. to be where he is and knowing mm. that he, he's in a rooming house, so he's not back at mm. home yet. His, mm-hmm. he, there was just too much hurt with his mm. family sure. to include his mother. But right. he's in a rooming house, so he's not sleeping in the woods anymore mm. or in that car that he bought because mm. he did buy him a car. But wow. he's still at Morgan & Morgan, and that was about eight weeks ago. Mm, and so awesome. he's still there. Incredible. Great story. Lord, give us many more of those. That's awesome. Yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. Well, Gay, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you do. Um, may the Lord be your strength. Um May he be your hope, uh, because I know it'll look hopeless and it'll look like, you know, it's too big, but it's never too big for our God. And may we be faithful and true and long for that day where there is no more experiencing homelessness. There is no more brokenness. Hasten the day, Lord Jesus. Amen. But until then, may God shine blessing upon the Sharing Center and upon Gata Lauder. Amen. <laughs> so, Thank you so much for that. Uh, with Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, thank you to Gay for hopping on with us. She has great stories to tell, and Sharing Center is a big, a big part of the Orlando city, that's for sure. And I'm so excited it's growing and be a big part of our story as well at King's Chapel. I think that's going to be a great partnership for us, and it's, what a blessing it is to know to get to know Gay. It's mm-hmm. awesome. And November 19th is our work day there? Yes, it is. So, you know, sign up. And when you sign up online, you're going to have to fill out a, uh, a kind of a release form kind of deal. Um, so please, uh, we'd love for you to come help us uh, sign up for that. 
and also fill out that form. That'd be great. And we're going to have a, by the way, a food, uh, a, I'm sorry, a clothing drive in November. So start bringing some clothes. It's a time of giving and thankfulness. That's Amen. for sure. So sure. We can get back to what you meant to say this past week with the mighty has fallen. Uh, the, as we continue to talk about David. The mighty has fallen. And really it took somebody else. It took Nathan, right? To uh, point out that he has fallen and uh, to say, hey, David, by the way, you are the man. And don't you love the way that God initiates his repentance? That mm -hmm. uh, it's God who's going to send Nathan, give him the authority. And, and how wonderfully wise it was of Nathan. You know, you don't go in and say, hey, the king has no clothes. You know, you mm -hmm. don't go in. How do you tell somebody who has all that power and authority? Oh, by the way, I know that you're an adulterer and a murderer, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he uses this beautiful contrast between a rich man and a poor man just having this one little ewe lamb. And boy, does it pierce David's heart to the point where he's pronouncing his own judgment. That man deserves to die. And, you know, mm -hmm. he should pay fourfold. But... You know, really, what I meant to say is it's a, it's a picture of true repentance. And it, it's one of those, I think Sunday, Brooks, was a Sunday where I looked up and I had no time left, five time, five more minutes. And I had so much of a heart of things to say, uh, and more to say, I should say. But really, uh, the, the main point of what I had hoped to communicate is there's a difference between regret and repentance. And there's a difference, as Paul will write in current to the church in Corinth, that you can have a worldly grief. And you can feel sorry that you got caught. You can feel sorry that, ah, darn, um, it didn't go the way you thought. Um, and it says, Scripture says, that leads to death. That doesn't do anything spiritually for you. But there is a godly grief that leads to repentance. And David, we know, had that godly grief because he realized who his sin was against. He would... He focused in and says, I, you know, I've sinned against the Lord and the Lord alone. And you want to say, well, David, no, it, it goes beyond the Lord. But when it comes to the magnitude of a holy God, I that is the one I offended. He His laws are the laws I broke. You know, it was, it was evil in his sight first and foremost. And that evil and breaking of God's law led to adultery, led to murder. But, you know, it was... It was an interesting perspective, Brooks. It's not just looking at the brokenness of what he did to Bathsheba and certainly the tragedy of what he did to Uriah. Um, it was, hey, God's anointed. I mean, God's man in front of a holy God. I mean, God hates sin. And what he did was so egregious to God. And that the only way, and as Nathan kind of said, hey, you know, good news, God's put away your sin. We could read through that and say, oh, yeah, God could just say, the only way God puts away sin is he sends his son as a sacrifice for sin. I mean, his wrath is going to be poured out on David's sin, but it's going to be poured out on Jesus, just like ours. Mm -hmm. And let me go back to say, you know, that repenting that leads to life, that godly repenting, the godly sorrow that leads to true repenting. And I think that's a gift of God that comes from the spirit of God stirring our hearts looking into the word of god that you know that is our sin we 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 treat typically sin so flippantly we don't think it's such a big deal it's so quick to gloss over hey god forgive my sins um i think when we really do business um, and we realize hey you are that man you are that sinner we start to we start to grieve over our sin and you know I don't think anybody who hasn't gotten tears in their eyes thinking of the cross doesn't realize the magnitude of their sin and the sacrifice. So 
really, it's a great story, and I took a long time telling it. But where I wanted to land in a lot of ways was uh, just the reality of, of what is true repentance look like for us. So, yeah, hopefully you, this will And you can see that when his servants, you know, couldn't get him to eat, couldn't get him to get dressed, couldn't get him to come out of his bedroom, and they're just scared what he would do to himself when they told him that the child was dead. And the fact that he just went to worship after that, and that was his grieving process is pretty incredible. And knowing that God was merciful, knowing that who knows, God God might relent. He might be get, show mercy and save this child. But I love the fact that he trusted God, you know, and oftentimes when we when God doesn't answer our prayers, we don't get led to worship. We, we run away from God. But that's not David. Mm-hmm. He, he, he went into God's presence. God didn't answer his prayers. Uh, the child died. Mm-hmm. But David's faith remained and he knew God's character and he went to worship. It's beautiful. Great beautiful stuff. stuff. Great stuff, bro. So we just have two more weeks of David. Is that two right? more weeks. And, you know, um, this week... This week is, again, I probably say it every week, it's one of my favorite stories. It's the story of uh, his son Absalom. And, you know, one of the things that came out of his story with Nathan and repenting is that, hey, the sword's not going to leave your household and you're going to pay fourfold for this. And he's going to pay. And and Absalom, what a tragic story. But you're going to see in this story a father's broken heart over a rebellious son. And you're going to see in this story a father who would rather have the punishment put on him than upon his son and it's it's such a beautiful story that points to the cross and so let me not preach the whole thing but say (laughs) um this is one of those stories if this were a movie and i really think in a lot of ways so much i read scripture and think man this would be a phenomenal movie um it has all the the intrigue of a storyline that would be so compelling but if if what I'm going to preach on uh, out of Second uh, Samuel 18 and 19 uh, is, it's almost like a story you can't see. You ever, you ever see a story that's almost so painful? It's like you want to look at it out mm-hmm. in the corner of your eye, like, oh my gosh, I don't want to bear the full brunt of this. And and this is the fruit of David's sin, as far as now it's in the fruit of his son's sin. This is the sins of the father passed on to the son, and dealing with a traitor son. And how do you do with it? And and uh, it's it's like it's such an amazing story. You only want to cock your head and we'll look at it part way because it's so painful. But when the light of redemption in Christ shines in it, you say, "Oh man, it's incredible." So that's going to be this week. There could be a twenty-week sermon series on David's life. Oh my life. goodness! It's so you know we jumped over so many things. We're going to go from this confession to Absalom. We we could have done so much more, and then we're going to crank it up or wrap it up, I should say. Uh, the following week um, because we got Advent coming and, mm-hmm. and uh, we could always pick it back up but yeah amazing amazing man but as we talked about uh, Brooks you know here's a guy with a heart after God and yet our hearts are so sinful that mm-hmm. even even with the title a man after God's own heart he is capable of the sin of adultery and murder and more oh. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we need a savior? Yes, we do. We absolutely do. Yeah. So the Fall Fest was a great success. Great success. It really, really was. Uh, again, first and foremost, kudos to Amy, your future bride, <laughs> Yahoo. And uh, she just did an amazing job. Our volunteers did an amazing job. Uh, it was a little bit warm, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was a great day. Um, you know, every time you do something like that, you think, oh, man, maybe next year we could tweak this and tweak that. We're already excited about next year, but... 
Really glad the community was able to come. Any other KC updates before we go? Big one is this Friday. Uh, First Friday Fellowship is going to be at Bill and Michelle Chapman's house. Chili. It's going to be fantastic. Bill Bill always goes way overboard with the menu. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be so good. So, uh, so excited about that. Hope people come out uh, for that. Uh, we have uh, all the King's men this Sunday night. We're going to do wings. We're rolling out wings. And so uh, a little Papa B's get action. <laughs> there so, we go. So that, that'll be good, trying to get guys out with that. And, uh, um, yeah, communion this Sunday. So uh, this will be the last Casey in the AM for a little bit. And so um, it's, it's good stuff. Great stuff. Great Come stuff. on. See you guys in. Sunday. Sounds great. Thanks again, Brooks. Thanks, Gay.